All right, audio fans, hello, hello. Thank you for clicking the button. <coughs> you helped pay for one-tenth of a comic. We appreciate that. Get to see the behind the scenes. Well, I guess hear the behind the scenes. How we get the show started. Did you look it up? the lighting this way. It's a little bit, there's a little bit of a sheen, but I think it look, works pretty good. Jason Aaron, Ashcan, Matthew Rosenberg, Steph Smash, and Riley Rossmo, Colin Bunn, of course. Store. You'd rather spend money at Walmart? No, I'm just saying. Like, I'm the this one website, entertainment, whatever, is uh, 
with the plug to Walmart. Hi everybody, I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman, joined as always by the original angry nerd girl herself, Elle Lestrange. Elle, uh, happy Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Kenobi, Kenobi Day? Kenobi Day? Kenobi Day? Obi-Wan Obi Day? Obi-Day? Obadiah Stane. What? <laughs> How did you get to that? He's the villain from the first Iron Man movie. Hi. Uh, so, uh, Obi-Wan did debut this week. Uh, the first two episodes, if you are living under a rock, are up on uh, Disney+. Plus. I have a no-spoiler review of the first two episodes, and it goes as such. Okay, then. It was good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of having, once again, a character that kind of was always felt like, from the beginning, like a little off to the side at first, you know? And, you know, obviously, as the movies went, even with the older ones, you True. learned to know that he was a very essential character in the story, I feel like. He was like, doing... He, he was do. Yeah, he was doing big things. <laughs> big things. Big And now we're things. seeing that, look, in between, and what they're doing with a lot of these other, like, yeah. characters is they're like, okay, so this is what... He's been doing over here. <laughs> so, this isn't a spoiler so much as the actual story of the show, but what I thought was interesting is they're also, like, with Book of Boba Fett, we were like, oh man, it's going to be all about Boba Fett. Eh, it was about Boba Fett, but there was also, like, the Mandalorian showed up. Yeah, with, which I'm okay with. Yeah, well, with Obi-Wan... The stories cross over. With Obi-Wan, and very quickly with Obi-Wan, we find out that this is not just going to be a show about Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's going to be a show about young Princess Leia as well. And you find that almost within the first five minutes of the show. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, oh, you know, we've never really discussed young Leia. You know, we know that she becomes, uh, or that her mother was, you know, Panda Bay or Panda Mama, but we've never seen her young life. We only know her after, Alder uh, you know, about the time that Alderaan gets blown to smithereens. So I think that's kind of neat. Kind of neat to see her young life. Onyx, get down. Come here, buddy. He's already, he's already bothering me. Anyway, I thought that was cool. I think, just like usual, it was good. It was good! So. Thank you, Disney Marvel. Marvel <laughs> Disney. I don't know who owns what. We will continue to subscribe. <laughs> funny story starring uh, friends of ours um, our buddies have a young son you know uh -huh. him he is a big Star Wars nerd he's being raised properly by his nerd father uh -huh. and uh, they're watching Obi-Wan and then apparently after the first two episodes ended he looked up at his mom and he said okay when's the, where's the next episode and his mom said no you, you have to wait a week for the next episode to come out and this was a foreign concept to him, this idea. I would, I absolutely understand where he's coming from. <laughs> I support his reasoning of asking the question. <laughs> and and when, told, when told, this is why it, it, you have to wait a week, his response was, well, that's stupid. I feel the same. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Now, before we get on to our comic book reviews, Elle Strange has something over here that I guess she wants to share. I want to share this because okay. I thought it was so fucking cool. Okay. 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 So we recently had our ninth wedding right. and anniversary. Right. I make him celebrate everything. Yeah. She's a psychopath. 
So apparently the ninth anniversary is pottery. Is pottery. Now, I, being a little bit on the uh, spectrum and a little bit uh, perhaps... I will tell you that pottery covers different things. Well, I, mean, I feel like I feel like you can... When I heard pottery, uh-huh. I thought of something very funny. I said, well, what is pottery made of? Obviously, pottery is made of clay. We watch a show called The Great Pottery Throwdown. They use lots of clay. And I said, you know what I'm going to get... Uh, my partner, my wife, Ella Strange, for our nine wedding anniversary, I'm going to get her clay face. And not just a clay face, but Batman the Animated Series oversized clay face. If you're going to get a clay face at all, which I don't even know why they would have any other version. Uh, the Harley Quinn clay face is pretty great. Yeah, but here's the thing. If they're going to do that, they need to make sure they have all characters from that show. Like... A king shark wearing well, wearing your trash suit. Not release them all at once. I understand the business side of that. You know, one at a time, so they can afford to do all of it. You know, they should release a Harley Ivy. All of their money. Could you imagine Giant Ivy? You remember when Ivy goes Super Saiyan? Anyway, so I got I found Clayface, and I found out it is the Batman animated series Clayface. I found out it's kind of rare. It's not like a hundred dollar pot pot or something, but yeah. it is a pop vinyl action figure that's hard to find. And when I saw one was available, there was literally one in stock. I'm like, all right, sold. A couple of days later, Elle explains to me that uh, it is not clay, it is pottery. You were supposed to buy a finished pottery. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> to me, but, but looking at it, like you said, we watch the great pottery throwdown. Right. And I, like, I, I, I instantly understood your reasoning. Thank you. I was like, okay, I get it. Because I was being literal. I was like, we're going to go... We're going to go make, make pots. some pottery. We're going to go we're gonna make ashtrays. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a rule. It's just something fun to go by. <sighs> but I loved it. Okay. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I actually did try looking up something clay-faced. But <laughs> I couldn't find anything good. Like, that wasn't just junk gift. You I know? You. Like, I and you must have gotten the last <laughs> one. Now, completely unrelated, we found this at our comic book store yesterday. It is kind of related. Well, it is also a Funko. Fa- fair. Uh, if you were listening to the audio-only version of the show, uh, you already know what we're about to talk about. But yeah. Elle Strange found something at the comic book store that she simply couldn't live without. So, we're standing on one side of the comic shop, and Rick it's, says, yeah. okay, we got to use our, our, I guess... Monthly, monthly discount. discount. We got a monthly discount of 20% off any one item. And... Instantly, we're drawn to the wall of variant covers and super rare books and yeah. things like that. So we're looking at it, uh, but then I turn my head and I see the back of this box and know instantly I need to look into. This it. is literally from across the uh, the comic book store. I saw at it. least at least two thirds of the way, and her eyesight is terrible. But it is the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary. That is the back of the box. If you can understand why I was drawn into it. The Wonder Woman 80th Anniversary Funko Pop Display Vinyl uh, with uh, the 80th Anniversary costume uh, for for Elle. Now, the only problem with this, as you can see, is it's a very large box, and now she has to redo her entire shelf. Yeah. Is that Ares' skull? (laughs) So, I thought it was really cool. Um, I know it's going to drive me nuts. At first, to see it up there, with I did. All su- my other I did pop suggest vinyls. you just take the pop vinyl out of the box, but then I was stabbed. And then I need to take all of them out right of the in box. the ribs, just shanked. I gotta take all of them. 
They need to all be stored the same. Hey, cats, can we please hey, not eat the wires? She, could you could just tap her a hey, little bit? She's hey, not going to stop. I hey, she has a toy don't, in it. don't eat the wires. There we go. Cats accomplished. Anyone want some cats? So I am very happy, but like I said, it's as far as rearranging everything, now I have a, the box is much bigger than all of them, and yes. the actual pop. little pop is smaller than all the other ones. So with my head, I'm, I'm a little, little uneasy yes. about the situation, but I needed to have this. I feel like it was... <laughs> going to be one that's not as readily available. Uh, and it's cool to the display. Maybe it's it cool. is. It's I was fun. looking online to see like if it is like I know. out there or whatever. Yeah. And maybe like the reasoning why this one came about. But I didn't really see a reason why. I guess it's just, hey, this is cool. This is cool. And it is <laughs> and cool. And I, I, I think it's cool. It is cool. Yeah. I agree. I thought maybe it was like an anniversary thing. It's the 80th something. anniversary. Yeah, it's Wonder Woman's oh. 80th anniversary. Oh, okay. So they're just kind of going back and... Yeah, because most of that happened during COVID, so they're releasing uh, stuff now. Okay. Cool, cool. Not that COVID is over. Ask anyone who attended MegaCon if COVID is over. Did you? Uh, yeah, it's oh. bad. Um, <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen All forever now. Yeah, yeah, until everyone is either immune or dead. So there's that. L and Saturn news. <laughs> I don't have a lot. I have. Here, I'll show you the covers of these. I have. Do you have a pick of the week already? I do, actually. Oh, all right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Well, let's get I'll, started. We'll be going in order. In order. In alphabetical order. Um, oh, excuse me. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can read. <laughs> I was like... I got letters. Yeah. Starting with Elvira. Elvira, what is this? Elvira in Horrorland, issue one. Oh, no. Is this some sort of, like, horror-themed version of Alice in Wonderland? It's even better. Oh, God. So, okay. The idea yes. is, first, I need, I'm just going to read you the very first part of this. Fair. So you absolutely understand yeah. what is going on yeah. here. So Elvira and the ghost of Vincent Price saved <laughs> a scream queen, an actress who had been imprisoned in the pocket dimension created by all films. <laughs> Didn't you know about these? Uh, by her creepy director. They trapped the director in the hell of his own making and Vincent sent the actress back to reality as he returned to the afterlife but something went wrong and Elvira ended up still in a different dark corner of the movie dimension I just so and I just want to point out yeah. her first bubble yeah. says hey kids you read the inside uh, front cover and get all caught up That's so funny. immediately and it got me Yeah, it got me I read the first bubble first and I said I'm sorry. Elvira. I guess I gotta read the end. <laughs> now I just noticed uh, I didn't I didn't see it before we went live. Oh, you might want to look at it. Uh, I just noticed that it is actually lettered by Taylor Esposito, who uh, is a friend of ours, and I'll have to tag him in a retweet. But I'm gonna say this after the debacle that was Animal Castle: uh, good lettering means the world to a comic book. And having Taylor on this book, I could automatically tell you you must have really enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, so. The, all the typical jokes uh, and puns that you expect from Elvira, you do receive. I have been watching a lot of uh, Elvira. Yeah. Uh, just whatever I can like gobble up on all the platforms we have. I've been, been just been checking it out. Uh, and it's 
It's there, man. Bisexual it's there. icon. Even, even the way, even the way she like looks, you know, at you, and she's like talking to you while she's stuck here, you know. She, she's she's talking to you while it's happening to her. Is this is this because you're just embracing your your horror side? Or? The whole idea is. You know, what, like I just read, you know, now she's stuck in like the movies. Oh, okay, so this, okay. This particular issue, so this is how it's going to go. This yeah. issue, uh, she's in what uh, is called Bloke's Motel. Instead of Pig's Motel. Uh, and yes. I got it. Uh, but he, she already knows what's going to happen. Because she's seen the movie. She's seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very, so that's very good. So she's making jokes and everything, yeah. and then the characters get flustered because she says their lines. Right. And he's like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> Is that he was looking for the list 
Yes, he needs his anonymous. The, yeah. the thing that was creating the list, so he's got to go find it because he's discovered that who stole it was using it to hurt children uh, in a way. So he's he's like, no, I can't have that. Right. I, 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 I hate being Santa Claus, and I feel like I'm making toys for a bunch of children that don't deserve toys. But, but you can't you can't hurt them. You yeah. can't yeah, he's like How timely. I, I need to go get it and stop you know, stop this. In the meantime, he's finding out about so many other like horrible things that are going on. For example, a reindeer that he um, you know, gave to a farm so you know, it could retire from yeah. being a, a Santa's yeah. Santa, Santa's reindeer or whatever. And finds out it was actually bought and this poor reindeer was like in a racing place, so he had to, you know, rescue. Was it a magical reindeer? Like it could fly, and that's why I was winning. It was like races. Comet Eighteen. Oh, Comet Eighteen. Comet Eighteen. There's been eighteen comets. He's been Santa for quite some time. So the reindeer like, aren't immortal. Like, immu- yeah, I guess not. Oh man, I that mean, changes everything. But it is funny also to find out that the reason he eats candy canes is because he has IBS and ulcers. <laughs> and the peppermint is good for his stomach. It's good for his stomach. <laughs> and his sidekick's name, yeah. and I'm just going to throw these out here because I don't want to tell you the whole story, but his sidekick's name that's helping him out is one of the elves. His, uh, He's just called Plum. Right. But his Sugar full Plum. name is Sugar Plum Glaze. Sugar Plum Glaze. Moving on. Yeah, so it's it's pretty hilarious. Dude, I stop eating the wires. They're plugged in. What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. So, yeah, definitely. She was literally eating the plugged in wires, Lauren. I know. I get it. And now she's gone. Okay. I don't know why this isn't shocking to you. It's because I'm just trying to get this done. In the fault. wall. It's our fault. It's in. She was licking the the sock. I don't think you would have. Okay. Spectro. Oh, this is your pick of the week. This is my pick of the week. Your pick of the week is Spectro from Aftershock Comics by Juan Doe. Yes. You uh, told me before we went on the air that Juan did uh, the coloring and the writing. It's a, it's all essentially a one a so, one man show. So he did. He was the writer, artist, colorist, letterer, main and extensive cover. Uh, and logo design. That's uh, a lot. Mike Martz was the editor, and Michael Berglund? Sure. Yeah. Uh, did the variant cover. I did not get the variant cover. I like the idea of having everything done by one. Yes. That's pretty cool. She's standing on your silver coin. It's all right. It's an extra issue. I was going to turn back in anyway. Oh, I, I thought we were paying attention to the cats. I, I'm not not paying attention to it, but I can't. I mean, you know she's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I should just let her lick the wall socket? No, but she was gone. She went. <laughs> After I told her to get up. All right. What anyway, is Spectro so about? You've been waiting is, on this book for some time. It is very Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, to the extreme kind of thing. Idea. <laughs> to yeah. the extreme. Yeah. So it's basically it has four different stories. Ah, cool. Uh, and to me, I feel like they're all kind of connected, maybe just a little bit. Um, to give you an example, the first story is basically a battle of self-image and you know how we will strive 
how we perceive any our level yeah. of commitment um, that can be very scary uh, just to reach those goals and to reach the standards that uh, that we feel like we need to reach for other people of mm. all things you know right why does it matter but we do um, no matter even those that say they don't care do care and you can't not it's been are you human stuck in your brain yeah, yeah. so uh, there is the mention, though, within that story about how Pluto uh, was actually uh, excommunicated. The planet? Yes. And so, the second one is the actual planets talking about kicking Pluto out. And <laughs> the planet. So. <laughs> what a silly thing. I want to see this. It's, it's pretty great. Like that's well, that's Taurus again because Pluto's not happy. <laughs> but so the planet, the, so the planets yeah, are all mob bosses, all basically. Here, yeah, around yeah. the around the the table, their head is the planets. Then they are, and yeah, so very sci-fi horror esque throughout this. Oh, they even have the, the the naked woman sushi thing. Yep. What a what a throwback. Yeah. So really great. Uh, the third. One is basically about how um, uh, I I don't know the exact you know meaning I guess of the story, but basically you're seeing a person that can't afford to do anything, and they finally reach like the top of the goal, and what did they sacrifice to reach that? You know, so uh, that's what I got from it. And then the fourth one is uh, you know just discussing about how oops stop it just trying to eat that uh and so the fourth one it, you're talking about how you know you're, di you're discovering new life and everything um but then it just kind of all falls apart uh so it's that. it's it's pretty deep i'm a, i i just i don't really want to talk too much about the different stories because i feel like you know you this is a one shot yeah, yeah, yeah this is a one shot this is not an ongoing I love the idea of the four stories kind of have a similar theme to it. Very interconnected, uh, yeah. I love sci-fi stuff, so you got me there too. And this whole After Dark thing, I don't know, I gotta, I think I'll check it out. That's another great thing about the end of Aftershock, especially on one shots. They give you have lots of good ads. All these, yeah. like, you know, like, look, this is what else we have going on. After Dark came out some time ago. Yeah, it, but they, they don't just show you things that are coming out. They'll, yeah. They'll, t they'll highlight things that already are available to yeah, you. Yeah, Mother Goose, Mother Dark Goose Red. Mother Goose has been out. Yeah, Dark Red we read. And, but that's the thing. We love these one-shotters from oh, yeah. Aftershock. They are the best at it. Yes. You know, they, they, yes. they pump out at, you know, I, uh, many, and yeah. most of them are good. You know, and even the ones that I don't tend to... You know, like rave about, yeah, but they're still, they're, they're still, still good. really good. They're yeah. just not my, my type of story yeah. that I typically read, or might just not hit me the right way that week. Interestingly enough, and I only know this because of the back of the book, Juan is actually the artist for all of the Dark Arc series, which is what actually kind of got you into Cullen Bun altogether. <gasps> so, some I might have to, I mean, that is what I've been meaning to go back and just watch. I know. Read all of yeah. them. I just haven't gotten to that yet. I, I, subconsciously, you may have saw his name and been like, oh, I'm going to have to have this no matter what it is because you're you're so familiar with his art. Now, I didn't know that until I opened the back of the book here. Good work, Aftershocks. Well done. Huh. 
Huh. <laughs> All right. So, yep. Uh, I highly recommend a uh, little sci-fi horror, human behaviorists, you know, kind of thing. I like it. Planets attacking planets, dogs and cats sleeping in the same room. Yeah, like just how lions and laying down with lamps. Thank you for that, Ella Strange. What a wonderful star. What a wonderful sci-fi read pile. See how it all, it all ties together, folks. So what do you got? You got ten comics? No, I don't have ten comics. Eight? No. Seven. Five. I only have what? five. That's only five. Only five. Wait, can you show me the back of... <laughs> I'll let you know there are certain books on my pile that are DC comics. So this is obviously not one of them. That is one of them. Uh, that is not one of them. That is one of them. And that is one of them. And you can tell... Because God forbid we're not we we spent six months with nothing but Batman logos on the back. Don't worry, everybody, we're back. I mean, if they don't have anything else to put on there, they, it's like a number. You know what's really sad? You know what's, most of the inside covers of the DC Comics were promoting that CW show Naomi, and it got canceled. Like it was a big deal that it got canceled because it was a it, it, people liked it. It was a different kind of hero story. It was. Uh, uh, a person who was not your traditional blonde hair, blue eyes, superhero kind of person. Absolutely canceled. Canceled, canceled, canceled. I, well, it might have been because people like me, we just, I, I always saw the ads, but it didn't tell me anything. Well, it's on the CW. So what I, do you want? Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I don't know if it's going to keep up with the CW series. Wouldn't it be great? Even Hear me Green out. Arrow. Hear me I watched a lot of that Green Arrow. And Hear me I, out. I, Wouldn't it be great? If they took all the DC Universe media that's out there, and, and here's some idea. You build a hub on a bigger platform that's a streaming service, and then when you click on the DC hub, all of the DC media that's out there is available in one spot. Wouldn't that be amazing? Media, you mean just like the shows, or are you talking about like actual media? Like no, no, the shows, the shows, the shows, okay. the shows, the movies. Okay. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, that's the idea. Unfortunately, not everybody owns the same thing. Yeah, but HBO Max has CW shows on it already, like Lois and Clark, or Superman and Lois. Yeah, but they, there might be, like, rules, like, they, they don't want that crossing over. There's six people who control they, the multimedia-verse. They can get it together. Because CW probably wants those shows to stand out as their shows. So they want it to be in their section. How do you like it that one? Actually, it's not too bad. It's <laughs> catching on to me. I, it's that's the thing. I, I was like this with Green Arrow. Yeah. I loved it, and then it just suddenly something. Come on to I was like, uh, I'm over it. I can't remember where I stopped watching it, but we'll see. We'll see when it happens. With that, that, woman. That, woman. That, woman. that woman. That woman. That woman. That woman. That woman. That woman. On my read pile this week, we start with Task Force Z. Now there is a running theme. All of my books this week have a little like twinge of humor that every issue made me go, huh? and it got really annoying for L because after about the fourth or fifth time, and then you hear this. <laughs> no, hold on. Oh, first <laughs> hey, check this out. <laughs> so in this issue, um, Red that's wordy. What's it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Task Force Z got a little wordy, but it was okay. Uh, it wasn't constant. It was just yeah. one uh, one big exposition page. dump page. But Task Force Z is one of the best dark comedies, dark action comedy. Yeah, one of the best dark action comedies that you could find right now. It's all about 
Jason Todd Red Hood leading a group of zombified supervillains in what is essentially a zombie version of the Suicide Squad. And I am having so much fun with it. And in this issue, um, they're trying to uh, lift the uh, Lazarus resin that Jason originally gave to Batman out of the Batcave. So they stage this big event. Solomon Grundy goes wild, starts throwing uh, uh, hands at anyone that moves. Uh, and while Batman goes to deal with Grundy, Jason's like, sweet, nobody's at the Batcave. I can break in. I can steal this resin. And who's there waiting for him? Babs. And Babs is looking at him like, what's up, bub? And so they have this tete-a-tete. And eventually Jason like figures out like he can make her like go get a new communicator if he makes her feel bad for him. So he grabs the resin and he starts to book it. And as soon as he gets out the front door, Nightwing's standing right there. And Nightwing's like, what's up, bub? And now he's like, ah, I gotta talk to Nightwing now. And everyone's, everyone greets Jason with, hello, I think we should talk. Everyone. So so he he's messes with Nightwing and he like sucker punches him and then he turns around and there's Damien. Hello, we need to talk. Ah! <laughs> and then he's trying to get away from Damien. As he turns to get away from Damien, Cassandra shows up in her full Batgear outfit and she goes, Hello, and you just, you can feel Jason's head, like, exploding. He's so tired of talking to these. So they all gang up and beat the shit out of him for 20 minutes. But this was all a plan to get the resin off of him and get Batman out of the Batcave so they can't, uh, they can't find the resin. It works really well. It is an absolutely hilarious issue if you like dark comedy, which I adore. I like it. Um, I feel a little sad that I didn't jump on. Task Force Z? It, but yeah. I just want to go back and start reading some of the things. It's okay. There's some books yeah. that you read that I wanted to read too. And, you know, Task Force Z is just, I bought it because it was spooky time. And it was spooky time zombie suicide squad. And I said, let's go. And it's issue eight. And I'm still on board. It's just, it's fun. It's just fun. Now, sticking with the theme. Actually, you know what? We're going to change it up just a little bit because this has an explanation. So, I got Punisher 1. I thought it was really good. Um, I didn't get Punisher 2 because, unfortunately, I asked for the variant cover of one, and then I subscribed to the variant cover. And that happens sometimes in the business. You end up subscribing to something you didn't mean to subscribe to. You don't get issue 2. So I never got issue 2. But a second print of issue 2 is on the way, and I'm getting one. So I jumped from Punisher 1 to Punisher 3. Now, before I read issue 3, before I review it, quick overview of 2. At the end of issue 1, we see that Maria, Frank Castle's wife, has been revived. Issue 2 explains how they revived her and why Frank is even working with the hand at all. So basically, Frank has become the fist, or the, yeah, the fist of the beast, which means that he's the king of killers, he's the, 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 the top slayer, he's the head of the hand. He's doing that because they can resurrect his wife. And they did it. So Frank wants to... Frank's wife? Frank's wife, yeah. So Frank wants to use... Uh, the hand, all these ninja that can keep getting revived, um, to end his war on crime once and for all. So basically, he's going to use all these guys, he's going to kill all the, the villains of the world, and then he's going to be done, and in the meantime, he's, he's resurrected his wife. Now, here's the thing. His wife doesn't know that she has been resurrected. Here we are, Punisher 3. This is Punisher 3. She doesn't know? No, she realized, she, her last memory is her last memory. They were all at the park together. The next thing she knows, she wakes up, she's in bed, and Frank's there. She goes, oh. And now she's starting to freak out. She doesn't know what to make of the reality that 
wait, where are the kids? Do we leave? The, we must have left the kids at the park. So Frank's dealing with that. Meanwhile, he's going after this group called the um, the like the Lords of War or something like that. But we find out that they're the head of the Lords of War is Ares, the god of war who exists in Marvel comics and is very much a real thing. Where where is it? Good look at Ares. There's Maria, there's Ares. There he is. And so Ares is like, I am the god of war. Frank Castle, you are my, you know, you are my pupil. I taught you, I imbued you with my powers or whatever. Not the beast. I am war. I am Ares. That kind of shit. What's really interesting about this issue, though, is uh, we find out about the first kill of Frank Castle. So uh, if you've read Punisher Born, you know that Punisher got his start, if you will, in Vietnam. And that origin story has been updated to sort of de-age Frank. But in this issue, we find out that Frank Castle has been killing for a lot longer than we initially thought. Hmm. So Frank lives in a tough part of New York in the 80s. Um, there's this made man who's walking down the street and literally beats a married couple to death for whatever reason. But he's a mobster, so he just gets away with it. And people just sort of close their windows, close their blinds, look away. This is Hell's Kitchen before... Daredevil shows up. This is obviously... So Frank's only 10. And as a 10-year-old, he sees this happen. He watches this murder. And he actually has his pellet gun trained on the guy. And he realizes that if he just pulls the trigger, he's not going to kill the guy, but he might, like, knock him off from beating these two people to death. But he doesn't do anything. He just lets it happen. Mm. So this is where the Punisher begins. And it's a new origin story for Frank Castle. Uh, and what's really cool is you see him sort of plan his revenge... Uh, as a kid trying to go after this mobster, what he does, he puts on a uh, Captain America mask, which is very important. Do you know why Frank would choose Captain America to wear a mask and why? So at this time, in continuity, Captain America would already be frozen in a block of ice, right? And people would know about Frank, uh, Captain America. It's kind of like the story of like when they say Batman's been hasn't been around, but somebody puts on the cowl. Similar. Yeah, takes his place. So, but this is a so, Halloween. But this is a, but this is a child. This is a child wearing look, a Halloween I mask. I look up to you. This is what I have on hand. You are the hero. Yes. Of time. And that's very important for people who love Frank Castle lore, like I do, because he always looks up to Captain America. Frank wanted to be Captain America, but what you find out is Frank would never be Captain America. So he he figures out how to get revenge on this guy, and then there's this really amazing shot. Look at how cool oh, that is. Wow. That is such a badass shot. Like. Mm. Really great issue. Um, I loved it. Uh, to be very blunt, everything could have been my pick of the week this week. I'm not going to lie. I loved every single issue. I told you I had the same problem you did. So realistically speaking, if you're reading any of these books, you're going to be very, very happy. But Do you feel like this issue spent too much time doing the flashback? No, no, I loved it because that's what this issue's point was. It was pretty even. Yeah, the, no, no, the point of this issue was to show the true original Actual, no, for realsies this time, origin of the Punisher. Yeah, so you got like a good story. It wasn't like back and forth, back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, between panels too much or anything like that. No. And uh, the quote on the front of the page that's when Frank knew he was the only one who still heard the screaming and the only one who could make it stop. The screaming was of the couple being beaten to death, and he decided, I don't want to hear them screaming anymore. I want to hear you screaming. So a 10 year old murders a grown man. And thus begins the story of Frank Castle. Alrighty then. Got a lot of red cover. There's a lot. There's a lot of blood coming. Let's get started with my one shot. 
also from Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, this is DC versus Vampires Hunters. I keep telling y'all, DC versus Vampires is absolutely the surprise knockout hit of the year. When I read the first issue, I was like, oh, this should be fun. It's 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 Halloween. It's vampires. This is up there at this point with DC. It's really great. It's truly one of the better alternate reality worlds DC has been in. And for this one shot, we get to follow Vampire Hunter Damien. Vampire Hunter D fans, rejoice. It's a good reference. So Damien was turned in the last issue, but he has been working with Alfred, and though he is a vampire, he only drinks like pig's blood or things like that. He doesn't hunt humans. He's been able to keep his mind. What's cool about this issue is we get uh, a reference to um, Onomatopoeia, who was a bat villain who appeared in the very short run of Kevin Smith's Batman Cacophony uh, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But the fact that he makes an appearance at all is such a great fan service. And that's what I love about um, DC versus Vampires is it's fantastic fan service in a way that actually writes the story very, very well. Ooh, look at that. This is a really fantastic raid-inspired series where you see Damien making his way through a horde of vampires. It's also very reminiscent of current um, Nightwing writer Tom Taylor's style. In a lot of the Nightwing books, you see... I'm just going to spoil this a little bit. But this is how Nightwing... And I've seen it because I see photos online. I don't read Nightwing because... I'm a weird nerd, and I wanted it to start at issue one. <laughs> Where do I start? No, no, no. <laughs> I gotta buy trades. Anyway, but this is very much inspired by the movie The Raid, uh, which is, uh, you may remember from, um, uh, well, you may not have seen it, but it's a really great action sequence that is drawn beautifully and uh, plotted out great. But you get to see Damien, uh, like, cut loose. He gets to kill a bunch of other vampires. You get to see Fire was turned. All the Justice League is essentially vampires at this point. And then at the end of the issue, we get to see that um, our King of the Vampires, spoiler, I'm not spoiling it, the King of the Vampires wants Damien to survive. He has the opportunity to murder Damien and Alfred right there, dead in their tracks. There's nowhere for them to go. He's the King of the Vampires. He's super strong. And he says, no, this is permanent. Our world is going to be vampires and non-vampires. Some of us are going to not be vampires, and some of us that are, are going to not need to eat humans. And Damien has already mastered that. And the King of the Vampires looks at Alfred and he goes, it may be because he has some of your, you know, he has you around. And Alfred says, well, he does have Master Bruce's blood in him as well, so perhaps it's because it's his father. And the King of the Vampires sort of shrugs and says, I don't know, but one way or the other, just promise me you're going to keep him safe. So... The final ending of DC versus Vampires may have just been spoiled here. That we're never really going to get this like giant climactic battle that the vampires are not going to lose. The world is just going to be this way from now on. Because you're already seeing, you know, the person you think is going to take them down is like, no, we just need to learn how to live together. Exactly. Interesting concept. Like right? the, the one person you think is going to take everyone down. Everyone out is like, hold up. We can't, like, this is unsustainable. Like, even as the king of the vampires, he understands that this world is, they need humans, because what are they going to eat, right? And so, like, it's very, very deep. Very, very interesting. Like, where are we going with this? Because I think there's six issues left of the regular series. So, I'm sort of interested to see, are we going to get a traditional superhero wrap-up where the superhero saves the day and the world goes back to normal? But the idea of the world going back to normal, you can't go back. You can never go back. 
And that was actually the theme of my entire read pile is you just can't go back. Once, you know, once the rabbit's out of the, or once the cat's out of the bag, once the rabbit's out of the hat, you could never go back. Which leads me perfectly to my damn near pick of the week, which was Harley Quinn, issue 15, more fun with Harley and Batwoman uh, and uh, their new friend. Uh, Batwoman. Yeah, Batwoman makes an appearance. I love Riley Rossmo's Batwoman, by the way. I don't know why, but she always looks like uh, she's like the badass 1950s cleaning lady. Reminds me a lot of Lady Killer, the way that he draws Batwoman. Uh, I'll try and find a really good image of her. So, like, you see how she's like over exaggerated and like she has all these crazy like lines and features to her. And, and whenever, and yeah, she's she's very ethereal. Like she almost doesn't have feet. Mm-hmm. I just love the way that he draws Batwoman. I think she looks so cool. But that's how the drawing is, even with like Harley too. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I love that style. I understand what you're talking about. It's so different, and it's so not the norm, the norm for comics. But I love Riley's art so much. I once messaged him and asked him how much would it be for a. Uh, for a, uh, a, a piece that he drew exclusively for me, and he basically redirected me to his agent. And I'm like, that's way too much! That's gonna be way too much! There's no way in hell! <laughs> Which I understood. Now, there is a fantastic moment at the very beginning of the book that I am gonna spoil. This is incredible. This is Harley uh, in disguise. Her name is... She's going by the name of Steve. Steve Martin. And as you can see, perfectly disguised. So this is a very fun, very lighthearted, very, eh, you know, I'm having a good time reading this issue. And then the last couple of pages happen, and we get the revelation. We find out who Verdict really is. We get, uh, we get to know who Verdict is and why it's so devastating. And, man, I, I genuinely did not see that coming. I had an inkling that that might have been it, but I really did not see who Verdict be. Like, I thought Verdict was just Harley Quinn's, like, third personality or something like that that was my original thought and then when harley got locked up i was like oh well that can't be harley anymore but they're going throughout the book about how the killer had access to harley's like fingernails and hair and there was this the 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 term orgy of evidence comes to mind where there's just all this evidence that points to harley quinn how could someone have gathered all of this harley quinn dna they had to be somebody who was close to her and you find out who guilt, who verdict is, and it is fucking devastating. It's just one of those moments you're just like, oh, oh, who come on, huh? Who I'm not spoiling it. But you showed me. Can, you won't, you won't understand if you're not oh, reading the book. Okay. Yeah, like I can show you who it is, but I don't think you're gonna know unless you've been paying no, attention. No, but I already saw the picture. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay. It, it is, it, it is so fucking brutal. Great, great yeah. issue. The, uh, you're going along, it's just quirky, happy-go-lucky Harley Quinn and Batwoman being dumb, having fun, hitting people in heads with bats, talking about how they, if they're going to pull a caper. Uh, Harley keeps going on about how they need a monkey if they're going to pull a caper. Like, everyone should have a monkey. If you're going to rob a bank, have a monkey. If you're going uh, to break out of prison, have a monkey. So the whole issue is just, have a monkey. Da, 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 da. And then the ending happens, you're like, fuck! Ah! Oh! Ah! Oh! Damn near my pick of the week. We here at the Read Pile have some specific pillars of the Read Pile. Three creators who we tend to read an issue of once a week, no matter what, by and large. The last couple of weeks, it's sort of been hit or miss, but this is certainly not one of them. And those creators are the mayor of Halloween Town, Colin Bunn, the clock king, Tom King, and everyone dies, Taylor, Tom Taylor. This week, my pick of the week 
Is Colin Bunn's the last book you'll ever read, the last issue you'll ever read? Ding. Thank you. You can never go back. You can never go back. So throughout the entirety of the last book you'll ever read, I was wondering what it would be like to be a writer whose book literally killed the planet because you wrote it, you thought it was your original creation, and then people started taking different ideas and concepts and applying it. But then a little bit of magic, a little bit of chaos comes into it, and it turns out you didn't write your own book. You essentially wrote the Necronomicon without realizing it. And people are reading it, and as they're reading it, the words are affecting their minds, and they're going insane, and they're returning to base, feral human lifestyle from you know before civilization. And so all anyone can think to do is fuck, fight, and feed. And that's about it. And so people are either banging each other, they're killing animals to eat, or they're just fighting amongst themselves for populist control. And there are now two warring factions. The people who want to kill the prophet, the girl who wrote the book, or the people who want to you know, save the prophet. Because depending on their mindset, she either needs to die to be uh, given to the wilding, or she needs to be protected because she brought back the wilding. Now, in the last issue, uh, we are fought, we're building up to this moment where we're going to go confront the wilding once and for all and try and get them to stop. But we keep mentioning over and over again, like, okay, but it, it's sort of like the, the Walking Dead issue, like the, 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 the trouble with the Walking Dead, the trouble with Black Summer. What happens if you are able to pull back the remains of humanity, right? Like, let's say there's a massive, devastating... Terminator 2 style war and there's only like 100 million people left on earth after the war is over right okay. and even then like that number 100 million seems like an astronomical figure right yeah but but not compared to 7 billion exactly so that entire the entire premise of this issue is but what happens if you do meet up with the wilding and the wilding's like yeah alright I'm not going to kill anyone anymore you're right I'm wrong the end well what then does it even matter then like, the world is gone. It's it's over. It's done. At best, maybe you can reel back society in a decade and get back to where we were. But how much progress would have been lost? How much war, you know, how much land is going to change? The world cannot go back to what it was. It's, it's gone. It's too late. It's too much. This has been happening for months. It's over. So the last issue doesn't really need to exist. And that's sort of the point of the issue is we build to this ultimate final resolution but we already have our final resolution and the final resolution is it's over so you get to see that you know the question ultimately becomes will man succumb to being a wilding or will man rise up against their new masters throw off the shackles and return to society and the last panel of the last page of the last issue gives you a very open-ending uh, ended reality where at least one man is willing to say no this far but no further now is he going to succeed well we'll never know because then you'd need a whole other volume of last book you'll ever read to see how society returns or whatever if society returns but that's not the point the point of the last book you'll ever read is that once you read it it's the last book you'll ever read it's it's over and it's very it's very um, uh, uh, the end of Watchmen. Who's the main? Oh God, I can't think of the the, the guy who killed all the people. Uh, oh God, I can't think of the, the character. I, I can see his gold band around his head and his purple vest. Oh, I can't think of. Him. Oh well, 
you know, at the end of Watchmen, where he's like, what are you talking about? I, I, I did this 25 minutes ago. It already happened. Anyway, that's that's what the last issue of The Last Book You'll Ever Read is. It's like, you're reading it, wondering if there's going to be a big climactic ending, but how could there be? It's done. It's over. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. What a great ending. But what's funny about that is that's my take. Mm-hmm. I could be very wrong. Colin Bunn could come on our, our show or tweet us or something and be like, ah, you missed the whole premise. But that, but it's my it's my point to make, right? It's my my interpretation. And that's also part of the whole story is people interpreting her words differently. Hmm. Loved it. Nice. So, to recap, uh, the picks of the week this week uh, from Team Repile are Vault Comics, the last book you'll ever read, and Aftershock Comics, Spectro, one shot. Uh, yeah, that about wraps things up for the Repile. want to make sure we give a shout out to all of our friends. Of course, uh, our good friends, the Space Bastards, uh, Mad Cave Studios, our sister show, The IndieCast, which is now back. Make sure you're checking out the WNRN. Uh, uh, the IndieCast had a new episode. We actually added a new member to the WNRN, too, so make sure to look for those uh, shows and ours on Anchor. Uh, we also want to thank Haven for Heroes, Bountiful Garden, Eric Palicki, of course, and AJ Schumacher, our original friend. Uh, we will be back next week with the start of our corporately sponsored Pride Month books, so that's fun. Nothing says we're absolutely going to make a change like corporate sponsorships. Go out and get your Pride Oreos right now. Hello. She just dragged herself up from behind the futon. And if you're interested in adopting a couple of torties, reach out to us at any time. Dear God, get rid of me. Anyway, I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman, always for the original Angry Nerd Girl herself, Ella Strange, letting you know that we will be back next week with more comic reviews, more cats getting in the way, and possibly one less cat if she continues to lick the light socket. So until then, say goodbye, L. Bye, L. Oh, God. Franklin? Franklin? There you go. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.